Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hi, welcome to Horror vs. Reality. I'm Anna. That's Morgan. Let's do this. Hey, I'm That's Morgan. <laughs> well, Morgan, you told me to switch it up, so I'm switching it up, lady. You totally switched it up. I did. Much of <laughs> So <laughs> much drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guys, it's been a while since we did an episode that wasn't a murder. You might even be thinking you've done an episode that wasn't a murder. Yeah, the lighthouse wasn't a murder. It was an accidental death that wasn't reported properly, which I was kind of hard to. But anyway, <laughs> that's the last time we did an episode that wasn't a murder. So, but this is still icky, unfortunately. It's not like an exciting heist that really happened, <laughs> which would never be in the horror or thriller realm. So that's never going to happen. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, but yeah, today's episode is 2006's Notes on a Scandal versus Mary Kay Letourneau. And if you don't know who Mary Kay Letourneau is, boy, are you about to learn. <laughs> but first, Notes on a Scandal, which I saw in theaters uh, back in the day. That was when I was going to see movies all the time because one of my friends worked at the theater and got everyone in for free a lot and i saw like every oscar buzz movie that came out for like three years in a row which this was a very oscar buzzy film it was nominated for and i don't think it was nominated for best picture but it was nominated for a bunch of things and most notably kate blanchett and judy dench were nominated for best supporting actor and best supporting i mean best supporting actress and best actress so yeah it's, uh, it's, this film had a lot of prestige at the time. It's, I mean, it's, I guess it kind of still does. But, you know, it's a, it's a cast of a lot of people that you'll know their names. This isn't a lot of, of unknowns, really. So, yeah. It's a bona fide Hollywood film. Morgan. Yeah. Thoughts on the film? <sighs> it was, okay, it was a very well-made movie. I just am not a fan of the subject matter and the pace. The pace just killed me. There were, like, moments when you're like, oh, there's a thrilling part. And then you're like, oh, back to droning on. Like, I don't know. I thought the pace was weird. Subject matter, very disturbing. <laughs> and the pace just was all over the place. Um, I think the, I think the pace is fine. Uh, I think it beats along at a pretty... I don't know, a pretty good pace. Um, it gets right into the heart of the drama pretty quickly. You don't pitter around before the incident much. And 
but I respect your opinion. It, yeah, it's just like how it turns into a thrilling part, and you're just like, oh, what's happening? And then it just stops, and you're like, oh, okay. And then it goes back to a thrill, and then it just stops. Like, it's, the resolution of the film comes way too late, I think. Uh, maybe. That's I mean, my it's, opinion. It's only, like, what, like an hour and a half? Yeah, it still felt too long for me. But maybe <laughs> I just did not like the movie. <laughs> I think I think you can't get past the subject matter. Is the yeah, because it's like immaculately well acted, and you did say it was well filmed and it's like well made. It is, but I I can get how it would be hard. It's like Boys Don't Cry is a phenomenal movie, very hard to watch. Oh it's, fuck yeah! Oh god yeah. Yeah, I get it. I do. Okay, so although this is uh, not as brutal, because just like in the real case. Uh, it's complicated because, yes, the child is less so in this film and far more so in reality, uh, the grooming. Yeah. Because the real case, it takes place over a much longer time. Um, and this, this is only like over the course of a few months, an in, in and out 20 minute adventure affair, you know? Okay. Yeah. Quote Rick and Morty. Um, sorry. I gotta make light of this as I can, because it's, you know, it's it's a bizarre case, it's a touchy subject, the film's heavy, and there's other elements to the film that are creepy besides the affair between a teacher and student. Yeah. Um, which we'll get into. <laughs> the real terror of the movie is actually Judy Dench. <laughs> Judy Dench is fucking terrifying in this movie. Yeah, she is. Like, she is chilling. <laughs> She's this sad, crazy cat lady. Yeah, oh my god. Can I just say that the cat scenes, I just fast-forwarded through because it was too heartbreaking for me. I know! I was like, oh my god, I stopped the movie and, like, looked through pictures of Lotus. <laughs> oh no, Morgan! I know, it was too early to watch a movie where a cat dies. That's true, like, that was a little too soon for you. And, it, oh. I, and honestly, when I when I realized that this was loosely based, or loosely in, really just inspired by the Mary Kay Letourneau case... I had completely forgotten the cat in the movie. Because I think, I think I blacked it out, honestly. It's so sad. <laughs> I know! And the cat just throws up and she's like, oh, he's so sick, he's so sick. I'm like, oh my god, it's Lotus! <laughs> no! Um, so, uh, does the cat die? Yes. Of yes. illness, not of ill repute. Just, just so you know, nobody. Yeah, she uh, doesn't murder the cat. The cat. Yeah, the cat is not murdered. No cats were harmed in the making of this she film. Puts the cat. Yeah, the cat it has a fatal illness, like uh, I don't know, feline leukemia or something. They don't actually say what's wrong with the cat. Yeah, no, and the cat looks perfectly healthy. But I'm, I'm glad they didn't use like a real sick cat. <laughs> oh my god, that would kill me. That would, yeah. I would. That would be like the Sarah McLaughlin, uh, PETA commercial. Not PETA, but uh. SPCA, oh. SPCA commercials. God, yeah. Yeah, you just see the one-eyed dog that's staring at you with the with the one puppy dog eye, just like yeah. It's like, what did you do? Yeah. And then the cat's like, yeah, it's it's bad. That's that's tearing at your heartstrings. It's not fair, SPCA. I don't want to see it. All right. But let's get into things. So the director of this is Sir Richard Charles Hastings Iyer, CHCBE. Yeah, he's got a lot of titles, you know. <laughs> respected British men do. There's plenty of respected British men that don't, but you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Looking at you, Idris Elba. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have the hots for Idris Elba. It's no secret. Me too. I, I mean, who doesn't? Come on. Well, true, right? I mean, he could turn a straight man gay, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, I don't actually mean that. I, I don't think light of that. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so uh, he's an English film theater and television and opera director. He's known for directing films like Iris and Stage Beauty. I own a copy of Stage Beauty. I bought it, one of those like four for 20 at Blockbuster when they still existed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, It's the film where Claire Danes and Billy Crudup started their affair. If you didn't know that they had an affair, they did before she married her current husband. Um, And she like stole him from, I think, whoever he was married to at the time. There's some fun mid-2000s gossip for you. Ooh, hot goth. Uh, yeah, but the movie's about, like, um, how men played all the roles in, on the stage back then, um, in, like, Shakespeare's era, and Claire Danes becomes one of the first female actresses, or actors. So she, you know, stood up for herself and was like, um, I'm a woman, I should be playing, uh, female roles. Um, I don't, I think it's dumb that we just put men in wigs and dresses, uh, when I'm right here. Yes. So that's, yeah, so that's basically what Stage Beauty is about. Anyway, um, that's a movie that he directed. On the stage, uh, the actual stage, his film credits, or his stage credits rather, include directing Daniel Day-Lewis in Hamlet and Ian McClellan, Sir Ian McClellan, in Richard III. Uh, as I mentioned, he also directs opera, and he worked on the revival of Carmen and The Marriage of Figaro. So this guy has, like, quite the pedigree. And he is also a frequent collaborator with Dame Judi Dench. She's starred in several of his projects. So, obviously, we're going to go straight into Dame Judi Dench. Nice. <laughs> as, yes, as Barbara Covet. Dench is considered to be one of the most accomplished living English actors today. Uh, she has a career spanning over six decades. She has earned an Academy Award, a Tony, two Golden Globes, four British Academy of Television Awards, six BAFTAs, and seven Olivier Awards. Some of her notable film roles include Eleanor Lavish in A Room with a View, M in eight consecutive James Bond films, starting with Goldeneye and ending with Spectre, Hecuba and Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet, Armand Voisin in Chocolat, uh, Iris Murdoch in Iris, Catherine de Borg in Pride and Prejudice, Annie Hoover in J. Edgar, and Philomena Lee in Philomena, amongst Many, many others. The woman's been in lots and lots of things. She's a fucking legend, to be frank. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to get into Kate Blanchett as Sheba Hart. Blanchett is an Australian actress considered to be one of the greatest of her generation. Her versatile career has garnered her two Oscars, three BAFTAs, three Screen Actors Guild Awards, and three Golden Globes. She's known for roles such as Galadriel in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Elizabeth I in Elizabeth and Elizabeth the Golden Age, Bob Dylan in I'm Not There, which, by the way, her transformation into Bob Dylan is stunning. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, she was better than all the men in the movie. I know, I I definitely think the same. I think she's better than the men. 100%. Uh, she plays Katherine Hepburn and The Aviator and Jasmine and Woody Allen's Blue Jasmine, which won her an Oscar. So, yeah, um, she's also a fucking legend, <laughs> honestly. She's incredible and just 
yeah, she's she's wonderful. I love her. She's one of my favorite actresses, hands down. Uh, Bill Nighy, uh, or Nye, Nye, as Richard Hart. Nye is an English actor well-known for roles in popular films such as Love Actually, in which he played Bill Mack, Davy Jones in the Pirates of the Caribbean film series, and my favorite, Sean's stepfather, Philip, in Shaun of the Dead, amongst <laughs> many, many other roles. <laughs> I like when he played uh, Slotty Bartfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's been in tons of stuff. He's a very recognizable actor. Um, okay, so Phil Davis as Brian Bangs, and you'll I'll tell you about him in the film. He has a really small, it's not, it's not, well, it's a pivotal role, but it's a small role. But Davis is known as an English, oh, he's an English actor, writer, director, known best for his leading roles in the UK TV dramas Whitechapel and Silk. He's also well known for playing the antagonist in the premiere episode of the BBC uh, Sherlock show that starred Benedict Cumberbatch. The episode was called A Study in Pink. And that's uh, like a pretty like kind of a legendary TV role at this point, like really good episode of television. On the horror and cult side of things, Davis has film roles in the rock operas Quadrophrenia, uh, mm. and Pink Floyd's The Wall. He was in both of those films. And he also played Kevin in Alien 3. <laughs> yeah. Come on, I'm not going to mention an Alien movie. <laughs> uh, Juno Tem- best for last. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Juno Temple is Polly Hart. Temple, a British actress, has been acting since she was a child. She's the daughter of film director Julian Temple. Juno rose to fame with roles in Atonement, Notes on a Scandal, and The Dark Knight Rises. Currently, she can be seen playing Keely Jones on Ted Lasso, a role that has earned her two primetime Emmy nominations and three Golden Globe nominations. Go, Juno. I love her, actually. Yeah. She's in, um, oh, what was it? Uh, year One. Was she? <laughs> Yeah, she's the chick he's trying to marry when they're, like, the cavemen. And he's like, hit her in the head. And he's like, are you sure? Will that get her to like me? And he's like, yeah, just hit her in over the head. And he hits her in the head. Oh, my God. She's, like, walking around with a really massive head injury. Oh, boy. Am I aware of year one? Yes. Have I seen year one? No. What? Aw. <laughs> it's, it's goofy. I, I like it. It always looked goofy, but, like, too goofy for me to actually watch. And I just haven't been, like, fucked up enough in the right moment to watch it, I guess. Uh, smoke some weed and watch it, and you will laugh. There's a lot of comedians in it. Okay. And, I mean, it's Jack Black. Come on. That's fair. I mean, I watched Your Highness, like, a few months ago. It can't be... It's not that bad. I <laughs> <laughs> And I laughed at your highness, so all right. It's fine. Okay, so let's see. Where are we? Oh, Andrew Simpson as Stephen Connolly. Uh, Simpson is best known for his role in this film, but he has continued to take roles kind of sparingly over the years. He is is said to work as a hotel manager primarily now, now, um, as of 2016. So... We'll get into, I'm not going to discuss every little, like, side actor, because, like, some of them, I don't know. These seem to be the highlights, the most important characters, in my opinion. So I'm just going to go to the summary. 
All right. So the film centers around Barbara Covet, who is played by Judy Dench, and she is a history teacher at a comprehensive school in London. She's never married. She is really close to retirement. And she's just a bitter old bitch. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> she, like, literally hates all her students and her fellow teachers. She, like, is really phoning it in. You see this scene early on where she's, like, at a teacher meeting, like, before the year. And their homework over the year was to say, like, what could be improved in their department. And she's, like, she just, she hands him a one-page laminated sheet of paper that's basically just, like, I don't think we should change anything. We're performing above standards, or above minimum standards, but not, like, top of the class or anything. We're fine. I don't think we should change anything. Move on. Yeah. That's pretty much, yeah. She, like, doesn't care anymore. <laughs> she, like, hates life, pretty much. Uh, yeah. She's just, she's just a bitter old woman. And, uh... She, the only, her only, that's the only other thing, the only comfort that she has is she keeps a diary and has clearly kept a diary for a really long time. And it's, and it just shows, diary. yeah. So it just shows her like crazy inner life, which is a little bit delusional. <laughs> Cause you'll see, she's not like, she's not a perfect narrator. Um, she's a little bit unreliable at times. Uh, so she sees the new art teacher, which is Sheba Hart, played by Kate Blanchett. She's just spent 10 years like taking care of her special needs child and is just getting back into the workforce. So she's, she doesn't have her legs as a teacher. She's very nervous and the kids can sense that. Um, so Barbara is very like hip to hone in on her immediately. I think she sees a weakness in her, but she also immediately notices that she's this like ethereal goddess <laughs> and she's like also like envious of her it's a weird she has weird feelings towards her initially yeah. barbara does she calls her like a what a fake creature yeah she does <laughs> <laughs> i was like wow is that like throwing it back to lord of the rings or <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wasn't sure i wasn't sure what she meant by that necessarily um yeah and then she also makes fun of her, like, clothing, saying that she's, like, slumming it in her shabby coat and that's disingenuous. Like, yeah. Like, okay, what do you know of her life? You don't know this. Yeah, she's right like, there. she wears this coat to, to pretend to be, like, hey, I'm like you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, lady, you're very judgmental. <laughs> yeah. Extremely judgmental. Um, but needless to say... They end up striking up a friendship. Uh, you know, she... <laughs> at one point, she intervenes because these two kids in Sheba's class are fucking going at it. They're just fighting, and she sees that Sheba has no handle on the situation. And she intervenes and breaks up the boys who, you know, understandably are terrified of this woman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she, yeah, she's like the most hated teacher in the school and is known for being, you know, a strict bitch, uh, for lack of a better word there. And so, you know, they break it up and they are cheeky to her, like they're lying about what's happening, essentially. But it's, but she gets it out of them. And basically, one of the boys 
basically said that he had uh, said that he had banged, <laughs> said that he had banged or uh, had a little fun with the teacher, and that's that wasn't true. And the other one beat him up for it. He like defended the teacher's honor, and he will become a more uh, important figure as the film goes on. Because we shortly learned that this is the student that she has an affair with. <sighs> bum, bum, bum. Bum. Uh, yeah. Uh, so before their uh, before their friendship is sealed as this, you know, closeness, Sheba invites Barbara over for lunch, and that's when Barbara decides that she likes her and they're friends and everything. But she also decides that she hates Sheba's family. Basically, she like. You can. She narrates the whole scene of them at lunch, and it's like her like thoughts, basically. And she's just like, oh, she calls, <laughs> she calls her Down syndrome child, the special needs child. She calls him the tiresome court gesture, which like this lady is so fucking cruel. Yeah, the way she describes all the family. Yeah, she calls. She calls uh, Sheba's husband and like an old crone or something. Yeah. She goes, he's nearly old as me. I mean, admittedly, he is a considerable amount older than her. Um, and you'll find out more about the nature of their relationship as the movie goes on. But yes, she's very judgmental about her family. She calls her daughter like a, a prissy princess or something or a pocket princess. Is yeah, pocket princess. What the fuck does that even mean? I don't know. I don't know. She, But yeah, she had these very judgmental terms and thoughts about the family. And then she see, she calls their after lunch uh, routine, like, embarrassing or something. But like, the whole family's just like freely dancing about together. And it's like a sweet moment. And she's just like really awkwardly watching them. And then she at some point like gets up and like, shakes a fist or two to like try to dance and it's yeah so... she's just standing in the middle of it it's weird smoking a cigarette it's so cringe yeah like lady loosen up jesus christ <laughs> um but then they have like a conversation away from the rest of the family and she was like really open and honest with her and tells her you know lots of like intimate things and stuff from her life and Barbara's like, I'm her confidant now. We're best friends. And it's like, well, slow your roll. You had one lunch. <laughs> you know? Yeah. She's, like, already completely obsessed with this woman. And it's scary, honestly. So they're, like, at a pl- It goes forward to a uh, play or some kind of assembly thing at the school. And one of the other teachers tries to sit down next to her. And she's like, no, the seat's saved for Sheba. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. And she wasn't even there. <laughs> yeah, Sheba wasn't even there. Um, so then she, like, after a few minutes, is like, where the fuck is she? So she gets up and goes to look for her. And this is when she witnesses Sheba in a sexual encounter with Stephen Connolly. Basically, she peeks through the art room window, and there she's, like, blowing the kid in the art room. And Judy Dench witnesses the whole thing. And... Basically, the next day, she immediately calls her and is like, or maybe it's that night, I don't, I'm not sure. But she's like, I know about Stephen Connolly. We need to talk. And then she was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, don't play. Don't play dumb. 
you know you've committed a serious crime, right? And then that, like, scares her. So she's like, uh, okay, I'll come meet you. And then, basically, Sheba is blackmailed by Barbara to be her friend forever. Yeah. She holds it over her head that she knows this. She's like, look, I'm not going to tell on, I'm not going to tell on you. But you've got to break up with him, spend, like, tons of time with me, and uh, get your life together. But uh, if, as long as you do those things, I, I won't tell anyone. It's not going to benefit anyone, right? I'm not going to, no. We'll just keep it a secret. It'll just be our little secret. As That's long as so break weird. Up, I know. As long as you break up with him and spend tons of time with me, more than comfortable... <laughs> <laughs> then we'll be fine. I won't tell anyone. That's basically the vibe. That's not how she says it, but it's that vibe. So, yay, friends. Uh, but Sheba is relieved that she's not going to tell her, so she's eager to do whatever to keep her quiet, essentially. <clears throat> and she also makes it sound like it's because she actually cares about her, not that she's manipulating her. So Sheba doesn't really realize the danger she's in. <laughs> She, like, thinks everything is going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, she has no idea. Yeah, it's not. Honey, no, it's not going to be okay. Um, so, let's see. Barbara, uh, she goes to visit her sister over Christmas break. And the sister asks her about, she's like, I'm sorry about Jennifer. Because Jennifer was this friend that Barbara spent tons of time with in the past, apparently. And Barbara, like, very stiffly is like, well, she just moved away. It's no big deal. Like, and then Barbara, Barbara's sister basically implies that she's a lesbian. And that, you know, it's okay whoever you're seeing, if they're special or whatever, doesn't. Like, the sister's implying that she's fine with her sister being a lesbian but uh barbara is in deep denial about this and i'm not a lesbian but she doesn't say that but that's basically what she's saying i'm not a lesbian we don't need to talk about this that woman wasn't special essentially and she just cuts her off it's like cool your sister's trying to like reach out and have a relationship with you but you're a fucking bitter bitch who doesn't want help or real love but whatever Okay. It's so weird how closed off she is and everybody else around her is, like, so open. That is very weird. It's like she preys upon open people because she yeah. manipulate them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, Sheba, back, back with Sheba, Sheba tells Steven that, you know, like, we have to stop this affair. I can't continue seeing you. But he's basically, he just, like, kisses her and is basically like, you're not breaking up with me. <laughs> and she can't, she can't quit him. <laughs> to quote Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> yeah, she can't quit him. So, the affair, the affair continues. Uh, you see her, like, banging by the train tracks and this, like, really dirty, illicit <laughs> part of the affair. And, you know, she's like, we can't tell anybody about this. You know that, right? Nobody can know about this. And he's like, I would never tell anyone, miss. He calls her miss, like, way too much. She says miss after, like, every word. <laughs> yes, miss. You're beautiful, miss. Hello, miss. And that, in miss. That, in that, like, thick Irish accent that he's got. I, know. I love the way he talks. It's, it's pretty great, yeah. It's super cute. <laughs> it, is. it is. It's super cute. 
Um, so that's why it's like so hard to watch the sex scenes with it. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> I know. Because he's got that boy. I mean, really, the actor was like 16 when they filmed, right? Yeah, he was 16. And they really made out. Yeah. Yeah. It's just wild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After dirty. I do. Dirty all over. I, I still don't understand how you watch it three times in your life. Um. The first time was 10, between the first time and second time was like 10 years. Yeah. Tr- and, okay. then, and then between, and then it was like six years between the last time and now. So that's Al Morgan. There was a lot <laughs> of time in between. <laughs> you forget how icky it is. Yeah, I did. I forgot how icky it is. <laughs> it's still not half as icky as the real case, though. No, definitely not. Not at all. Mm-hmm. All right, so back into it. So Barbara is demanding more and more time of Shiva. Her cat gets sick, which we mentioned, and you know Shiva even buys her like a little present that's like an engraved, really nice picture frame that has the cat's name on it because <laughs> she knows that's like the most important <laughs> creature in this woman's life. And, um, you know, she's so thankful for it. And then, like, poor cat dies, like, right after she gives her that, pretty much. Oh, no. Which is so sad. It sucks. Um, but then, uh, actually, a little bit before the cat dies, though, they're, (laughs) they're in Shiva's house, right? Like, hanging out. And Barbara sees Stephen going into her like greenhouse or art building something and he has his hood up and you can't see his face so she just thinks that someone's like breaking in so she's like call the police call the police Shiva and she was like no they're it's just the neighbor boy it's no big deal just like trying to like move past it quickly and then the phone rang her Nokia (laughs) phone rang yeah (laughs) (laughs) because that's the time period and uh, they both lunge for it, and Judy Dench wins. She answers it, and it's Stephen. And bef- he doesn't even wait for whoever answers it to say hello. He's just like, "Where are you? I've been dreaming of your hot, wet, sweet cunt all morning, or something like that. Something gross like that." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and your then hot, sweet cunt. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And then, and then you just see. Judy didn't slowly move the phone away from her ear and hang up and put the phone down and look <laughs> at, at Sheba like, bitch, you've crossed the wrong woman. So she storms out and Sheba's like chasing after her, like, please, please, I promise I'll end it. And, you know, she basically is like, we better do it right this second or else I'm going to literally wait for your husband to come home. And so, obviously, she, she freaks out and goes to, like, break it off. So and up. Yeah, it's, it's fucked up. And when she tells, when she confronts Stephen with all the, everything that's going on or whatever, he's just like, look, this was supposed to just be a bit of fun, but now it's this whole serious thing, and I'm not into it. I'm out. <laughs> and he basically just dumps her like a sack of bricks. 
which Judy Dench told her he would do because he's a teenage boy. But yeah. she, didn't, she didn't listen to Judy Dench. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So now Judy Dench has even more power over her. <sighs> bum, bum, bum. Okay. So. <sighs> then, not too terribly long after that, Barbara's just at home, like, after the cat. Or actually, the cat dies. And then she goes over immediately straight away she goes over to Sheba's and is like you have to console me a person has died I'm sorry your cat's not a person as much as we like to pretend that they are I love my cat as much as the next person but it's not a person but she is she is my mother died levels of upset though Judy Dench's character is Barbara so but Sheba and her family are literally on the way out the door to her son's first like performance and it's a big deal for him because he's special needs. And, you know, like, everything in their life when they accomplish is really special and huge to them and their families, as it should be. And she's just like, this is my son and my family, and you can't, no, I can't be here for you. I'll call you later. I'm sorry. And Judy Dench is not having it. And Bill Nighy's character, the husband, I love what he does here. He, he gets out of the car and is like, what spell does this, is this a coven? What spell does this woman have over you? <laughs> yeah, is this a, is she, a, what do you say? Is she a white witch? <laughs> Something like that. Why is she always around? <laughs> He's like really just like over her, really upset with her always being around. It's a point of contention. And he's Yeah, he's like, saying, like, what everyone in the audience is thinking. Like, what the fuck? Like, why is everyone okay with her doing, like, being here? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, she gets in the car with her family and... I like what... Sorry. He goes, give me my fucking wife back! <laughs> yeah, that's great, too. Give me my fucking <laughs> wife back! <laughs> And so she gets in the car and they drive off and Judy Dench is just steaming. Barbara's off the charts mad. She goes back home and it's just like stewing over the death of her. She buries her poor cat and this rather unfortunate looking teacher that has clearly shown interest in Shiva before, like flirted with her. You see a scene where he like kind of flirts with her. He comes over and he's like, I have something to talk about. I, I need to talk to you about about Sheba Hart. And the look on Barbara's face at first is like, do you know about the affair? Because, like, you know, she's prepared to deny any knowledge of it, right, you know, at first. And then he's like, oh, no, actually, uh, so the thing is here, I totally have a crush on her. Like, I really want to get, get up in that. <laughs> and uh, Barbara's like, uh, bro, Obviously, this is not how they're talking. This is just me talking, but... <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm Barbara does not say bro. <laughs> no, very much not. She speaks very properly. But, you know, she essentially says, Dude, you know she's married, right? Are you asking me to ask her if she would like to commit some adultery with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he just looks at her kind of like bashfully like i mean kind of <laughs> and that's when sheba is just like i'm not sheba but that's what is when sheba gets completely thrown under the bus but that's when judy dench says oh i hear that you're not quite her type 
Oh, so she has a type. Oh, yes. She likes the younger men. Shockingly younger, I'm told. Boys, even. You might even know one of them. Stephen Connolly? Tenth year? That's the one. And she's, she's like, I just hear stories around uh, school. Just, you know, bathroom, teacher's lounge gossip. No big deal. Plants the seed. Acts like she doesn't know if it's actually true or not. But plants it enough that the guy's like, I've probably seen the way he looks at her. And he takes it seriously enough that he informs the parents and the authority. And yeah. that's when the shit hits the fan. Which it, sh- it should have been done very beginning. Uh, yeah. The second <laughs> Judy Jench saw this happening, the second Barbara saw this happening, she should have immediately called the police. Yeah. Yeah, but she's not a good person. <laughs> she's a little off her rocker. She's unhinged. <laughs> Massively unhinged. Um, Got bats in the belfry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. So, she... Goes back into school. Oh, 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 well, before that happens, rather. Let's back it up a little bit. The mother of Stephen comes over and basically pushes her way into... <laughs> into Shiva's house and slaps her and calls her a perverted... She, like, beats the shit out of her. Yeah, she beats her up and she calls her, <laughs> calls her a perverted something or other. Um, a perverted slut? Something, something like that. Um, yeah. Child yeah. fucker or something. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's not pretty. Um, yeah, and Judy Dench's character Barbara just like pushes her up this to the children up the stairs to like shield them from what's happening, kind of. And then at school we we hear that you know Shiva's fired, and then shortly after that, Barbara is at is uh sent to the headmistress, the head uh headmaster's office. And he's like, I noticed that you were very close to Shiva. Did you know about this? And she's like, no, I didn't know. I had no idea. And then she's like, you can't, you know, you can't prove anything. I don't know anything. And then he's like, oh, really? Well, how about this? I think it's time for, it's almost retirement. I think it would be best for everyone if you just retired a little early. And she's like, no way. To which he pulls out the big guns. So... I found, I talked to a former teacher here that you were, you know, close with, like Sheba. Jennifer? I talked to Jennifer. And it turns out, Jennifer had a restraining order on you. You weren't allowed to get within, you weren't allowed to get within 500 feet of her. Um, sounds like a great friendship, right? You were stalking her. Yeah. (laughs) And then he's like, so you're fired. Bye-bye. Get out. Don't let the doors hit you in the ass on the way out. And everyone's staring at her as she leaves. And on her way out, she goes to puke in, in like, the boys' bathroom stall or something. Because she's, uh, I don't know. I guess she's, like, it's all starting to hit her. And I guess there's at least somewhat the action, her actions, the consequences have gotten to her a little bit. She's clearly nervous. (laughs) Yeah. And upset. And then she's, it's back to her at her house, and she's writing in her diary, and she's like, I haven't heard from Sheba in days. Like, is she shunning me? What have I done? Does she know that I'm the one who told? And um, then Sheba comes to live with her because her husband basically kicked her out of the house. And 
she goes to get groceries, Barbara does, and she was just looking through, she's like just kind of like sitting up in Barbara's room, and she like puts on some thick black eyeliner and some bright red lipstick, and it's just kind of like playing around and thinking. Yeah, she's like, it. it's so weird because she looks, uh, what is that, um, she looks like that picture of her from the 80s. Yes. She's like going back to her childhood, kind of. Yeah, exactly. In a way. She's like putting on, she's like doing her punk scene makeup that she Yeah. Wear. And she just, she's just like looking in the mirror and then she leans down and picks up a crumbled piece of paper out of the w- wastebasket. And it's a piece of, it's a page torn out of Barbara's diary. And it reveals enough to her that she goes tearing through Barbara's room, looking everywhere for the rest of the journal. She finally finds it and discovers all about Jennifer and knows that Barbara is who ratted her out. And she's livid and devastated. And Barbara comes home to her just sitting with the diary in her lap and, like, the mascara beautifully smeared on her face, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And they have it out. They have a literal knockdown, drag-down fight. Like, (laughs) Judy Dench is being pummeled by Kate Blanchett. (laughs) It's a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, slap, 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 slap. Push into the fireplace. Blah. Yeah. Break stuff. And uh, then she runs out of the apartment into the paparazzi and reporters. And she just yells into the crowd, I'm right here. It's like this moment of just... Everything's driving her nuts right now. She's at the, you know, the height of, I'm going to fucking lose it. And then she snaps out of it, kind of, and realizes that she's being engulfed by the reporters and the crowd. Uh, So Judy Dench comes out and, like, grabs her and, you know, pulls her away from everyone and puts her back inside. And they, I guess they just kind of, like, not really talk it out, but... You know, she's just like, I, we could have been friends. I would have been your friend um, without you being so clingy. Like, I invited you to lunch because I liked you. But you've you've really screwed the pooch, Judy Bench. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously, you know, she was not innocent <laughs> in this either. And, I, and Judy Bench points that out. She's like, Shiba, you did fuck the little boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is still your fault. I just yeah, I didn't make you. Yeah, I didn't make you do that. I just capitalized on it for my own personal gain. And then she goes back to her husband, Sheba does, and just kind of, you know, leaves Judy Dench aside. She gets sentenced to 10 months, which is honestly a slap on the wrist kind of sentence for what she did. <laughs> um, and it's strongly implied that she gets back with her family. Um... And then the last scene is Barbara seeing a new woman that she's interested in. And she, like, sits down next to her on a park bench and they strike up a conversation. Because the woman is reading a paper about Sheba and the whole affair. And she's like, oh, I knew her. She's like, yeah, we taught at the same school. But she she really downplays her role. (laughs) She's like, oh, I didn't know her that well. You know, she was kind of cold. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, This is 2006. The internet does exist. Yeah, you're going to be listed somewhere. 
yeah, the woman is that you're trying to make friends with is gonna figure out that you're actually really connected with this at some point. So, good luck with that, crazy lady. <laughs> but like, they they exchange names, and she invites her out to some concert or something, and seemingly she's going to continue to prey on vulnerable, open women. And that's how the movie ends. That's no, it's not a scandal. Woo! <laughs> that's notes on notes, notes on a of scandal. A scandal. Scandal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my notes on notes on a scandal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've got fun facts as usual, obviously. So let's get into um Filming took place in August and September of 2005. The film was mainly shot on location in Parliament Hill, Gospel Oak, and Camden Town areas of Northwest London. The Arts and Media School in Islington was used as a film location for many of the school scenes. This is my favorite fun fact that I'm about to tell you about this movie. In season eight, episode 19 of American Dad. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Steve has an accidental phone call with Dame Judy Dench as he is about to enter Roger's attic gym. Like he accidentally, he somehow accidentally calls Dame Judy Dench. Uh, and then after he hangs up the phone, it cuts to the scene from Notes on a Scandal where Barbara answers Sheba's cell phone, knowing it to be Stephen Connolly. So that scene where she hangs up on him, that's what she does to Steve. That's the way they have it cut. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> okay, so Nicholas Holt audition. Do you know who Nicholas Holt is, by the way? Uh, name rings bell. Not off the top of my head. I'm bad with names. Uh, so he was, I think the character is Beast, the like blue fuzzy X-Man <laughs> in the newer X-Men films. He plays Beast. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Those movies, if that's the right name. I think it is. Um, he's also in Skins. Do you ever watch Skins, Morgan? Yeah. I'm oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. He was. Um, he's in The Great. Yes. He is. He co-stars on he's, The Great. 
Yeah, he's a uh, king. Uh, yeah, also, um, he is the little boy in About a Boy. Oh. Yeah. He's, he's ah. been acting. Yeah, he's been acting, like, his whole life, pretty much. Yeah. Well. Yeah, but he auditioned for the role of Stephen Connolly, like, several times. Like, went through and got through several different auditions, but... Andrew Simpson was who it was eventually cast. As someone who unapologetically loved Skins, I think Holt would have made a good Stephen Connolly, but I think ultimately a pure unknown with raw talent was like the better way to go. Yeah. I I think he would have made a good one too. Yeah, I mean he plays like a snotty playboy, like fuck boy on skins. So I think he Yeah. Been, I think he would have been good at it. <laughs> so Annabelle, the character at the very end of the film, who Judy Dench begins to prey upon, <laughs> she is played by Anne Marie Duff, who is known for playing Fiona on Shameless UK. Oh, yeah, that's where I knew her from. I love Shameless. Yeah, Shameless is good. I like the American version better than the UK version. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will note that after, say, season four. U.S. Shameless goes downhill drastically. Yeah. I think I'm just judging it by the later. That's fair. Because, like, the first few seasons are really solid. Yeah, it has uh, Jeremy Allen White from uh, The Bear. I like him. Yeah. This won't be breaking news when this comes out, but as we're recording, it's it's breaking news. Uh, The Queen of England just died. Yeah. It popped up when I was looking at... um, I was looking at one of my things that just popped up on the side of the screen. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> I have news articles pulled up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, we're talking about a largely British cast and the queen of the UK just <laughs> So, there you go. I didn't think she would ever die. Honest, I was telling, when, when it was noted that she was, like, in critical care or whatever this morning, I told Mark, I bet Charles thought this was never going to happen. <laughs> he's like i'm never gonna be king i'm never gonna be king sorry <laughs> our friends across the pond yes. i don't know if you uh, if you're into the royals or maybe yeah. you absolutely detest them <laughs> yeah sorry either way my either condolences way. either way yeah <laughs> all right so and as you said earlier andrew simpson was 16 years old at the time of filming and he did not hesitate to do the sex scene with Kate Blanchett. And oh, I bet. I bet yeah, he was so I bet happy. Not. Yeah, you're a 16-year-old straight male actor playing a role that calls for you to make out with Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to refuse. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're just not. Yeah, seriously. Like yeah. even if even if it was like a older man, I don't I don't think they would refuse. Hell, I wouldn't refuse. I would make out with Kate Blanchett in a heart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Juno Temple's first major role and her first audition for a film was this movie. When she first told her parents that she wanted to be an actor, they tried to talk her out of it. They're like, well, you're going to be judged because your father's a director and it's going to be harder for you to actually get a role. Um, they're going to judge you more strictly. And there's, you know, you can't just step into this and be good is basically what her mom said to her. Uh, but then her mom sent her to this open audition for this film and she nailed it and then she got hired again the next year for Atonement which is a great movie by the way and then the mom's like fucking hell well surely it goes downhill after this 
but it didn't. <laughs> she's worked. She's worked continuously since since her first film. Uh, yeah, I, I think my favorite movie that she's in is Joe Hill, is the adaptation of Joe Hill's Horns, where she plays the boyfriend. Uh, I mean, the girlfriend of Daniel. Well, like, what? Yeah, she plays. She plays the girlfriend of Daniel Radcliffe character in that movie i haven't seen that it's cute it's a, well it's a lot of things it's a good movie i like it um it's a horror movie just just to note it it's a horror movie so jack o'connell who is another skins alum he also auditioned for the role of stephen Connolly, and i think he would have been great because he has this very raw energy to his performances that i really love but uh again he was beat out by andrew simpson i feel like if anyone knew that Kate Blanchett would be their, you know, girlfriend in the movie. I think everyone would have auditioned. <laughs> <laughs> so many teenage boys were like, I got to get this role. Yeah, I have to get this role. <laughs> I hope I get it. Yeah, make out with Kate Blanchett. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so when Barbara goes to throw up after the meeting with the head master, she goes to throw up in the, you know, like the school bathroom and... If you look closely in the background on the wall in graffiti, it says Babs Covet, which that's just her name shortened, equals nasty old Leza. I want to lick her mangy twat. Oh my God. Yeah. So go back, go back to the film, pause that. Mangy twat. Yeah, that is, all right, that's a lot to unpack. You insulted her and called her a lesbian, but you also want to lick her twat that you think is mangy. Yeah, what the fuck? Okay, all right. You know, I'll say it again. The uh, the Brits just do just do cursing differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so after the fighting scene between Kate Blanchett and Judy Dench. They went out and bought a bottle of champagne to celebrate the end of that scene because they were both terrified and worried about having to fight each other. <laughs> they drank nearly the whole bottle. That's, that's pretty cool. I would have just finished it. <laughs> God, I would love to be a fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. To watch that. Right? All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And then we'll be back to talk about the very real case of Mary Letourneau, Mary Kay Letourneau, and Billy Palau. A.K.A. Child Rape. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Spoilers. Come back for an hour of talking about child rape. Yeah. Please come back. Please come back. <laughs> Sorry. Didn't mean to make it say, sound like that. Look. Look. At least it wasn't like she held him down and forcibly, brutally raped him. It's not much, it's, it's not better. It's not it's better. It's not better. No. But it is not that. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into it after the break. Welcome back. Morgan. Yeah? What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Morgan, tell us about Mary Kay Latrino. Okay. <sighs> this is a doozy. I hope, okay, we definitely need to put a trigger warning, like, right here. And we need to probably put a trigger warning in the beginning of the show. But Mary Kay Letourneau, or Mary Catherine Letourneau, was a teacher and a child rapist. Um, She was a sex offender. She recently died. Uh, July 6, 2020, she died of 
stage four cancer. She was brought into the spotlight in the 90s when she had a sexual relationship with a student. And yeah, Billy Falau, who was 12 years old when their relationship started. She she had him as a student when he was in second grade, too. Yeah, which is just disgusting yeah the first time she ever met him he was eight years old yeah and she was like bragging about him looking up her skirt like she was fucking sick like all of the um interviews with her and with both of them like she looks like a psycho um and the way she talks and she claims she didn't even know that sex with a 12-year-old was illegal. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Look, I know that you had a kind of weird, charmed, sheltered, conservative upbringing, Mary Kay, but bullshit. Yeah. No, it's definitely fucking bullshit because she went to um, Arizona State University. I think when you're in teaching, you learn how to be a mandated reporter and you learn what sexual assault is and the age of consent and all that. Like, she's exactly. just playing stupid. She was, exactly. She wasn't just some layman. She's a teacher. Yeah. You, you are trained in all that stuff because yeah. your, your livelihood deals with children. Exactly. And it's, ugh. It, she disgusts me so bad. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know if she got out of a lot of things because of her father. Um, cause he was like a he counselor was, He was a senator. Yeah, he was a senator and then he provided counsel to George H.W. Bush. Yeah. And then, um, her brother was the inspector general of the U.S. Department of Defense. <laughs> so, like, she comes from an upper class family. Like, y- exactly. you should know that, like, she's not, she's an educated woman and grew up with educated family Um, in the, well, not in the spotlight, I wouldn't say, just because they're, like, a senator. I don't think she was, like, yeah. put in the forefront of it, but. Well, as, as her best friend growing up said in an interview and in the latest documentary on her i forget what the name of it was but her best friend growing up said that nobody could tell her what nobody you know mary mary Kay did whatever she so i think that speaks to what to what she ended up doing and the and the way she handled the trial and everything yeah i just don't know i think it just makes me so mad of how it was presented because i remember this case when i was a kid oh me too i followed this case because i was it was um like a it was like a train wreck. I couldn't. Yeah, play. yeah, and I remember my parents being so disgusted by it, and they're but like the news was making it seem like this. Oh, this this love story where two people are being torn apart by the justice system, and like that's how I remember it being like, oh, it's like a fairy tale kind of thing, so, like which is so fucked up. So my memory of the case, the way and the way the news media handled it was that when she was first arrested and everything, it was looked it was looked down upon. 
gone and people looked at her with disgust. But after she got out of jail and everything that happens after that, that's when they made it seem like this fairy tale love story and the narrative changed. Yeah. I I think there was the narrative there that they were I mean, there's so many articles with the word star crossed lovers that I'm like, that's disgusting. Which is fucking disgusting. He and was twelve. Yeah, like, anyone who calls it that in the media should be ashamed. Yeah, and he, he was twelve. She was thirty four whenever yeah. they started um having a sexual relationship. Like I am months away from turning thirty four. Yeah, and can you imagine like just No, I it makes me want to hurl to even think of that. Yeah, and like even uh Bolo what Fala? Oh, damn it. Fala? Philly Falau. Falau, sorry. <laughs> uh, even Falau now says, yeah, it's kind of messed up what happened. She was a big part of my life, but I'm her age. Like, he was her age, like, back in 2020, I think. And in the article, it says, like, if I if I started having thoughts about a 12 or a 13-year-old, I would go seek help because that's not normal. Yeah, he's changed his opinion on this. but Yeah. Since she's died. Yeah, but he still has never really talked particularly bad about her, which is odd. He, in some of the, I don't know if it's like the media, you know, putting different cuts because they do that, but the way he looks at her in some of the interviews, he's like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like he doesn't say anything, but his face says it all. Like, because she's like, who's the, there was one, they said, who wears the pants in the relationship or who's the boss? And and she's like, who's the boss? Who's the boss? And he's looking at her like, she, you are, you fucking psycho. Um, yeah, she definitely, you can tell that she definitely has fear that he will leave her for a younger woman and, you know, someone age appropriate. <laughs> so she like, you see her dress younger looking than she should and act younger looking than she should in interviews with them together, like after the fact. And it's, it's really disgusting. Yeah, because she groomed him from a very early age. She took away his childhood. Like, she fucking raped him when he was 12. And like you said, he, she didn't hold him down. But this is just like Jeffrey Epstein if if the roles were reversed. Like, imagine... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Someone calling it star-crossed lovers if it was a 34-year-old man and a 12-year-old girl. Like, yeah. it would completely... It would be different. It would be completely different. And she started grooming him before he even hit puberty. And, yeah. like... He had just hit puberty when they had sex. Yeah. It's just so disgusting. So and it was multiple times over months. And she was married and had four kids with another man. Mm -hmm. And then just grooms this child and convinces him that they're... I mean, he says they're in love. She says they're in love. But I don't think that's love. I think that's grooming and manipulation and... And you can see it in a lot of the interviews that she's he, very manipulative. He may not be tied up in a basement, but it's Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. I mean, in the reason, okay, so he became a father at the age of 13. She went to jail. Um, yeah. She did send him secret love letters from jail the entire seven years she was in. So um, can, I, can, huh? I, can I, like, get this in a, like, succinct narrative, like, timeline really fast for the audience? Yeah. Okay, 
So basically, her husband found out about the affair. And instead of immediately reporting it to the cops, he just tried to win his wife back. And he actually confronted Billy Falau like he was a 30-year-old man. Basically, like, why are you fucking my wife? What the hell? Um, And then... Everything they do is inappropriate. Yes, yes, absolutely. So then he tells another family member about it, and they're who actually reported it to the authorities. She gets arrested, and it's while she's in custody that they discover that she is pregnant with her first child. By Billy. By Billy. Fifth child total. Fifth child overall. First child of Billy. And then she's allowed out to go give birth, and she's only sentenced to like... Six months or seven months. Something like that. But then also, basically, all she has to do is go to therapy. And then, about three months into her being free again... By the way, the kid goes to Billy's mom. She's not given custody of the child after it's born. But um, when she's given the chance to be free again, about three months into that, even though there's a no-contact order, she gets back in touch with Billy. And they're caught fucking in the car. And then she's sent back to jail to serve out a full term of about seven years. And they're supposed to take a drug test because that's just standard and she refuses to do that the urinary the urine analysis because she knew that she was pregnant in yeah again again so like immediately after yeah so she's incarcerated (laughs) both times she's pregnant uh with with his children. What a wonderful, wonderful oh, yeah. way to bring a child into the world. Absolutely. And both By children... rape. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Grooming. But, yep. So both children go to live with Phillies, and then she goes to jail for seven years, and then Morgan, tell them what happens next. So she goes to jail for seven years. During this time, um, Billy is still in school. He's trying to be a dad to these children, you know, like 15, 16-year-old um, going to school and trying to be a father when he's a kid himself. So she's secretly writing love letters. Um, I don't know if he ever got any to her. I know I, that, huh? I, I don't know how he would get any back to her, but because the way that she was sending them was through the nipple of the breast milk that she was allowed to pump out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just... It's just maddening. It's, yeah. Because I think if... No, I'm not going to speculate about anybody's actions or anything. But, like, she... So they somehow, like, communicated when she was going to get out. And they met up within hours after mm-hmm. she got out. After the mm-hmm. seven years. Even though there was a do not contact order. Um, he immediately went to the courts to have that removed. Because at this point, he's 21. Um, right. And they get they get together. They get that removed. And then um, they yeah, are fi- to be married. Filed, yeah, he filed for it. Yeah, he went to, yeah, he went to court and petitioned the removal of the do not contact order. Because he's an adult now. Oh, um, let me just... And they granted it. Yeah. Let me just rewind for just a split second. Um, So the way they found out about the secret messages through the nipple, you know, like somebody actually checked far enough to actually find it. But when she got caught, she was given six months in solitary, by the way. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. Like, in the documentary, they're interviewing some of her former, like, prison mates. Oh, I wish I knew about this documentary that existed. Sorry. (laughs) That would have been good. 
Yeah, so the prison mates were like, we've never seen anyone get that much time in solitude. <laughs> so she really, really, she, she just over and over again shoots herself in the foot. And she doesn't care. Yeah, she doesn't care. She wow. she pretty much puts it all on Billy, too. And it's like, he's the one that wanted it. I'm like, he he's the one me. who seduced me. Yeah. She makes herself out to be a victim. And it's like, you're disgusting. <laughs> she does. And I, I hate all the interviews with her. Absolutely. She, like he's just a shell of himself like i i like that's his whole life yeah she she, was there she is his whole life pretty much yeah and now she's dead and i guess he's learning to live finally learning to take his life back and i mean their children are old now their daughters are 25 and like 23 i think or 24 yeah it's it's crazy to think that they were so he was 21 when she got out of jail and his (laughs) daughter His daughters were seven and eight. Yeah. When he was 21. Yeah. Yeah. But no way for any child to live. (laughs) No. And I mean, he's, he's kind of spoken up, but not really like negative about her because I mean, he grew up without a dad and he made it a point that he was going to be there for these girls. Even at that young age, he said, I'm going to be there for them because my dad wasn't, but like he stayed together for the kids. Yeah. Because there, there was a time period in 2019, he filed for, legal separation and they were going divorced but they uh they got back it together. It was 20 yeah, it was 2017 when they separated and then they filed for divorce like 2019 but they were together and then she got sick and he just and stayed with her and he was there when she died. Yeah. But um they initially separated when the kids all moved out, when they all yeah. graduated. And I mean, it just goes to show that he I think a lot of it was to for the girls. For the kids, yeah. Yeah, but um um, like their interviews with Barbara Walters. Oh. I know. <laughs> I just felt so bad for him. Like he, like he had no childhood. He didn't have a teenage years. No, no, he had to be a father immediately. <laughs> yeah, he was a dad. <laughs> yeah, thirteen. Oh, I'm a father. <laughs> no need to worry about uh, how I look in front of a girl or anything. I'm already a dad. <laughs> yeah, and he said he did date like while she was in jail for the seven years, and her face. <laughs> He said that. Yeah, she was like, "Yeah, he dated." Like you can see it, like her visibly upset, like instantly upset. And I was supposed to be the only woman you ever had any kind of romantic feelings for. (laughs) Yeah. And then it the interviewer she like hated the interviewer. I can't remember what um what news channel it was. It's like Australian news or something. This oh, guy's yeah. like fucking grilling her and it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Like he only really speaks out whenever she's not next to him. Like well, yeah. she owns the conversation the whole time. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't get a say in it. She's boss. Yeah. She is boss and that's the, <laughs> I think that's the interview where she says that. Who's boss? Who's boss? <laughs> Dude, I, okay, another thing in in the interview that I watched or the the documentary I watched, someone I guess someone that was like, "Oh, I think oh, it was the uh it was the prison woman. Her her former inmate friends, after they were out, they like came to visit her in Billy and the kids and yeah they, they went to go visit her and the kids and um they said it was just the weirdest home environment like you walked in and she's like doing all the cooking and cleaning and being like a dutiful housewife type thing and he's just like 
up in his room playing Xbox or like listening to music with his friends. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, you know. Because he's a child. Yeah, because he's just like one of the kids. That's the way they put it. God. Yeah. It just makes me so sad for him. Like his whole life. It's, and she just makes it out that she's the victim in all this. And it's like, no, Billy is. Uh, yeah. Billy got groomed, manipulated, yeah, his childhood never... stolen from him, his virginity stolen from him, like, he was a dad, like, unwillingly. Yeah, like, poor, poor guy. He finally has a chance to, like, you know, now that she's gone, he finally has a chance to pick up and, like, build his own life. Yeah. And I really hope he's able to. I hope he's able to. I really so, do. Yeah. So, it's been a while since we we, so we just had, like, a, a fun uh, refresher catch-up after a case, as our cases have gone on pretty long. So, Morgan, what have you, what have, what have you been up to? Have you watched Good Life? Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, I just started the new Game of Thrones show. Oh, yeah. I've been totes watching House of the Dragon, or as Georgia R. R. Martin calls it, Hot D. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, House of the Dragon's pretty good guy. Yeah, I'm really enjoying Matt Smith as Damon. I love Matt I, Smith. I'm not a simp just, for Matt Smith. I just, I love Dr. Who. Yeah, it's just so weird seeing him in that role. Like, whenever he's, like, um, pounding that that woman from behind. The sex worker. Yeah, I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> Yeah, it's really gross seeing him like that because when I see Matt Smith, I'm like, the o- I never want to see him sexual at all. The only woman that he's allowed, <laughs> in my mind, fictionally, that he is allowed to be romantic, River Song. Yeah, just River Song, no one else. No one else, only River They need Song. to bring River Song into the show. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see Alex Kingston in anything. I love her. I do too. Her hair is amazing. I love her hair. <laughs> That's my favorite part is when the episode Let's Kill Hitler where she regener- <laughs> where she yes, where she regenerates into Alex Kingston from her like teenage body that she was in. <laughs> she she looks in the mirror and she like grabs her own tits and lifts them up a little and then she yeah. and then she looks at the hair and she goes, Oh in the hair Oh in the hair <laughs> I just watched that episode not too long ago. It's a great episode. Um, I, love, I love the line that she says where she thinks, oh, I think the Third Reich's a bit rubbish. Why don't we go kill Kettler? I was on my way to uh, a gay gypsy bar mitzvah or something. She says something like that. <laughs> a gay gypsy bar mitzvah. Yeah, because it's just all the things that Hitler hated. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, the Third Reich's a bit rubbish. Why don't I go kill Hitler? <laughs> so, yeah, I've been watching Hot D2. I, I haven't also- started Rings of Power, have you? Uh, yes, I did tell you that I've started rings of power yeah yeah i we've watched the first two episodes it is better than i thought it was. i am pretty excited um i've just been so tired i'm like because i just i don't know i'm i'm like i can't pay attention i'm just so exhausted right now so i, I get that i have like a backload of tv shows that i need to watch and finish because they're okay so like three different shows that i watch have their series their final season basically and I'm just, I've just been putting off finishing the shows. Like, I haven't seen the final season of Killing Eve. I need to do that. I haven't finished, watched the final season of Search Party on HBO. And I need to do that. Uh, yeah, I've got a I have a massive like list that. from you. 
I know. Look, <laughs> I, I review television and movies. You know, I I watch a lot of them for work. So yeah, I recommend things <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Shocker, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, I started a hundred. The Shutter's a hundred and one scariest movie moments. Oh, nice. On, on Shutter, that just the first episode dropped yesterday, and as I've mentioned many times on the podcast before, Bravo had a special just like this called Bravo's 101 Scariest Movie Moments, and I've watched that countdown no fewer than 10. I watch it a lot around Halloween, not every year, but I've watched it a lot of Halloween since it originally aired, and when I found out that this was coming out, I nearly shit a brick. I was so fucking excited. <laughs> So yeah, I watched it last night, and then I was um, I was messaging Heather on Instagram, our friend from Wednesday Wine and Horror, and she's like, "Oh, I didn't know about this." And then she watched the first episode and was like, "None of those were scary. Those scared me." No. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but we watch horror movies all the time. Does anything scare us anymore? I don't really think it does. I can't tell you the last time I was actually scared watching a movie. Probably when I was a kid, honestly. That's the last time I remember being scared in a film. See, because I think jump jump scares don't count. Because I'm easily startled. Like, I, my phone rang yesterday, and I jumped like 10 feet in the air. Because I normally keep my phone on silent. So I I had my phone on, because I've had a family emergency that I'm still dealing with. So I, I had my phone on in case any news happened. And yeah, it scared the shit out of me. It was just Romstein's Duhas. Every time. Every time. I'm so easily startled of points of hilarity for my family, but my mom and sister are the same way, so I, I get I come by it honestly. <laughs> Andrew and I were watching the Miracle Workers. Oh yeah, you were telling me about that, and I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> so goofy. It's it's silly. I like it. It's like a every season is a different um like a completely different show. It's like an anthology. I love anthology shows. So that's yeah, cool. so it's pretty great. It's the same actors every time. Yeah. And Daniel Radcl- Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi's in it. It's fucking great. Okay. I love Steve Buscemi, and not to knock Harry Potter in any way, but I really enjoy Daniel Radcliffe's adult film roles. Like after Me too. Harry Potter, because he's picked really interesting films. It's a lot like uh, his celebrity doppelganger, Elijah Wood. <laughs> yeah, he just does what he wants now. Well, yeah, they were both in huge blockbuster film series, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, and they took that money from those blockbuster films that made millions and they just do whatever they want now and I love that because he they both choose weird and interesting roles and yeah I like it. I fucking I love, love it. it and then he's gonna play Weird Al Yankovic I know Mark and I are excited for that yeah that's awesome <laughs> and he looks like him it's so I know. weird I love it I'm but excited about I will it. say Daniel Radcliffe is fucking ripped oh my god he's ripped <laughs> I know he is and he's like almost naked a lot in the show and it's hilarious Okay. <laughs> See, I prefer more of like uh, our man Elijah Wood's body type, just thin and soft. <laughs> thin and soft, thin and soft uh, is my type. I mean, I like greatly huge, giant, muscular men. I mean, just take a look at Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> no, no diss to Andrew. <laughs> no. He's- not a bodybuilder. No, he's not. But he is getting ripped now. He's uh, <laughs> turning into a little white Terry Crews. <laughs> <laughs> is he going to do Old Spice commercials? I hope so. <laughs> no, I love Terry Crews. <laughs> I mean, you should just get Andrew to do an Old Spice commercial just for you. 
<laughs> he did um, do something hilarious on Valentine's Day one year because I was all depressed because I had to work and was in nursing school, stressed out, and he didn't get me a flower, or tell me happy. I don't know. I was just being emotional as fuck, and I was like, "Does he even like me?" And he ended up going to buy all these uh, rose petals, and he put on like a um, one of those snap shirts, like you know, a nice yeah. polo that has snap buttons. Yeah. And he was like, I wanted to say that I love you. And I was like, oh, and he was like, but step back. And I was like, what? He goes, step over there. And he said, I have something else to say. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, this, please don't ask me to marry him. Because it was like only our first year. I was like, no, no marriage proposal. And he just ripped open his shirt and the flower petals went everywhere. And he <laughs> wrote on his stomach with a marker and said uh oh my god you're the love of my life or something stupid <laughs> oh it's so great it was so funny i laughed so hard i fell over and i peed on myself <laughs> i just like couldn't even stand anymore i was like, oh, I bet you were scary. really worried for a split second when there was something written on him. Like, please don't say marry me. Yeah, will you marry me? <laughs> I'm really oh, glad it that so it was funny. just a ju- it was just a declaration of love. Yeah, because I was wondering why his stomach looked so funny. Because he was hiding like four pounds petals. of rose petals in his fucking shirt. <laughs> he looks like a, like he was like in a prosthetic. Yeah, <laughs> I thought he had a, like a fake belly on. I was like, what is? In-? He was like, no, no, don't touch. No, no. I'm like, what the fuck is in there? <laughs> That's amazing, Morgan. Yeah, it was pretty fucking great. <laughs> I love you guys, relationship. <laughs> don't crack me up. <laughs> oh, so let's see. Morgan, Are we gonna tell anybody about what's coming up? Yeah, I was about to say. Um, we're going to. I think we told them last time that we Did were we? Going, well, yeah, because we were supposed to be doing the BTK versus the Club Hitch Killer this time, but. Morgan is deep in research on that and needs more time. Yes. So we did Mary Kaylee Turner today. So that's what's happening. Our next case. And our friend Trent from Bloody Buddies will be back. Talk about that. I'm so, excited. Yeah. Woo. Woo. I'm excited to have Trent on again. Yeah, me too. So Trent's back from Korea. Oh, he is. Yeah. Nice. So he's ready to like get back into podcasting shit. So we'll have Trent back on. We're going to talk BTK and what a shit he is. Yeah. <laughs> God, he's such a piece of shit. Yep. And I've not watched The Clove Hitch Killer, so I'm ready to see Dylan McDermott play of shit. Yeah, no, it's really crazy that they picked him well i've seen him play at the shit before so i'm not that shocked yeah like in the uh, american horror story the house american horror story the fir- murder house the first yeah movie. the murder house mm-hmm. he was a piece of shit in that show yeah he's also a piece of shit in uh party monkey he's a party monster he's the club promoter with the ipad oh my god did you not know that was him well i haven't seen it in that long but that's fair i haven't either though actually yeah i think i last saw it when i was like 19 or 20 or something but yeah that's absolutely dylan mcdermott oh my god that movie's really old too <laughs> yeah it is well i mean he was on the practice in the 90s on ABC. My parents watched that about lawyers. Yeah. yeah. I didn't I didn't watch that show. But I, I didn't know he was I didn't either. I was like nine my parents. Yeah. <laughs> wow, he looks exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the picture of him with the eye patch. Wasn't yeah. he in um the 
cut? No, nip tuck. Was he a nip tuck? I don't think if he was, it was just like a guest spot. He definitely okay. wasn't one of the stars. No, that's I can't remember his name, but definitely different guy. The, he, okay, <laughs> one okay, one of the dudes on nip tuck. I, is named Dylan Walsh, and he's like blue-eyed, uh, shorter. Who's yeah. Married, but the yeah. other one whose name is escaping me right now was also on Charm. He played a demon that Phoebe married. <laughs> <laughs> and again, that's because my mom loved that show, not because I loved that show. My mom just always had that show on, so whether I like it or not, I know stuff about Charm. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> All right, so we will see you guys next time, and uh, I don't know, stay creepy or something. <sighs> Bye.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.